Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. I'm a certified retirement coach. Today, it is January 21st, 2021, and I'm very excited to be able to introduce you to someone today. His name is Larry Indiviglia. He's a retired naval officer. He's the president of Insights for Life, uh, which is a business and life coaching program for fitness professionals. Yeah, correct. Is that right? Okay. And he's also a coach for Todd Durkin Mastermind Group. And you've been working in the fitness industry for 33 years. But the thing I want to talk to you about today in primary is that you're an author of a book called 126 Days and 11 Minutes about a relationship, a romance that you had that was short-lived but very profound. And so please... Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you for your time today. Uh, Kim, pleasure to be on. I am honored and humbled to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you, having a great conversation, and providing some value to your valued listeners and followers. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So tell tell us more about you. Um, You know, um, I've lived a blessed life. I'm 65 years old. I've been in the fitness business here in San Diego, California for – Geez, it's going on 33 years now, and um, it uh, is my third career. I actually um, I graduated the Naval Academy in Annapolis many, many years ago. That got me out to the West Coast, spent my six years as a, as a Naval officer, actually left the Navy actively, stayed in the reserves, and then proceeded to get into another career. And the fitness career started in 1988 as a uh, personal trainer, group trainer, uh, over a 30 year period, part owner of a, of a fitness center and studio, uh, just a lot of different things in that space. And ultimately about the 20 year mark, I got into the coaching world in coaching younger fitness professionals in business and self development. And I had to master all the tools to run a successful fitness business. And we also do some life coaching. So that's been my primary endeavor. Um, I was married for 25 years, divorced. I have two uh, grown kids, and they both live in San Diego, and I have one grandson. So um, I've gone, um, done a lot of great things as far as life experience, uh, professionally and personally. And um, it's it's been, I've lived a blessed life. Even with loss, I've lived a blessed life. I really have. And um, I've done some writing. My first book was um, Insights for Life. Uh, rising up, reaching higher together in, nine, uh, in 2010. In 2010, that was published. That is available on Audible. And then my second book is, um, and the one that uh, basically was, geez, it was a really a profound story that I lived and then ultimately uh, wrote about in 126 days, 11 minutes, our love story. Yeah. And when, when did you write that book? I wrote the book this past, I started writing it in May of 2020 and I completed it in seven weeks. And, uh, it was a, it was a quick writing experience because things were fresh in my mind. And, uh, I released it in October of this past year of 2020. Um, so it was a, it was a quick project. It was a quick project, Kim. It really was. Inspired by a special woman. And did you find it to be healing to go through it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I did. I, I think the you know the, the, the backstory of the book 
in 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story, is two actively aging seniors, one 64 years old, the other 68, who meet online. Yes, online. Mm-hmm. And um, and maybe against all odds, fall, fall madly in love with each other. And one of them, in this case, Gail, uh, was battling stage four breast cancer at that particular time for over four years. She made the powerful choice to put herself out there and continue to try to find love in her life and to continue to embrace life, even though she had stage four cancer. And, um, and I was captivated by that. And we decided to live in the today, not in the yesterday or tomorrow necessarily. And, um, and we had a very profound, honest, intimate, uh, compassionate and really fun relationship until, um, until she transitioned. And, um, the, the lesson was to me, um, it is better to have loved with loss. It is fulfilling and possible rather than never to have risked their love at all. Um, that's the backstory of the book. And after 126 days, and 11 minutes until Gail transitioned, uh, the book does cover a lot of different things. 63 or 65 days. She had relatively good health until the cancer came back. And, um, I decided to write about it getting back to your question because it was cathartic. Things were fresh in my mind. There was powerful lessons. And in a strange way, Kim, COVID gave me the time to write because our professional and personal uh, schedules were impacted. You know, we, I had more time to write than I would. And I decided I had a sense of urgency that I wanted to get it done. And, and I did. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so let's start. Let's go back a little bit. So you met. Mm. Gail online and Mm -hmm. was this in her profile that she had cancer or is this when you had several dates or when did you find out that she had cancer? Yeah, her, her profile um, did not indicate that she had cancer and um, her profile was pretty short, actually looking for a man within 20 miles of where I live, Mm -hmm. who uh, is an accomplished person, lived a fulfilled life, has a sense of uh, humor, has a sense of um, sensuality, sensibility, kindness, and who feels like home. Yeah. It was very short. So I was captivated by that and viewed her profile. And immediately she said, I- I'd like to talk to you. I don't do well texting back and forth. So we had a phone conversation on January 6th. It lasted uh, about an hour and a half. And she told me on the phone. She had a single mastectomy. She had been battling stage four. And she said, you know, Larry, that's where I'm at. Um, I'm very hopeful that I'm going to beat this thing. I've been through a lot with it. But, um, you know, she goes, I'm a retired professional photographer. I still do Argent- uh, Argentinian tango. I do a lot. And I'm not giving up. And I'm not giving up on love. So it's a new year, a new decade. And I'm putting myself out there. If I didn't think I could be a woman, I wouldn't be on online. So that led to uh, um, our next meeting, which was the next night, Kim. We met for dinner the next night, and I was uh, even more captivated with Gail when I met her in person rather than when I was just on the phone. Yeah, she was very honest right up front. So what was your reaction? I mean, that's not what you were looking for, right, when you started looking online? Um, I wasn't, 
But the depth of this person and the courage was something that I was called to find out. I had to discover more about this lady. Hmm. I felt that, um, you know, in, in the coaching business and my, my business as a fitness professional, you learn to read people, observe people, listen to people more so maybe than some other professions, Kim. And, um, when, when I did all that, there was just something uniquely special about Gail. And many times it's the greatness we see in others, which is the greatness in ourselves to actually recognize something. And she never, um, she never said, well, I think I'm going to die in six months or four months or three months. She was just living day to day, um, very courageously. And I was captivated by that. And, you know, what, what would be the safe play is don't risk, don't go there. What are you going to get out of this? But sometimes the risk you don't take, it's riskier not to risk than to avoid it. And in this particular case, um, I benefited greatly from it. I think Gail did too, frankly. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine what a nice addition that was to the end of her life. Just icing on the cake to feel like she had a man who was there for her and loved her. I think that's it's wonderful that she even tried and that she still had that hope and that desire to have that relationship and have that bond. And it's so admirable that you said, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, sometimes the universe brings people together, Kim, you know, for powerful reasons and you don't fully process it till maybe after the fact. And, um, you know, and I share a lot, in, a lot in the book about good times. We had a lot of good times. We did a lot of things. So the book is not a downer, mm-hmm. like this is a morgue or this is so maudlin or it's like, oh, she's dying tomorrow. We, we didn't live that way uh, until at such point the cancer came back and spread to her brain, but that wasn't right away. And, um, it just went to another stage. And then we were both able to accept that and then still stay together. And, um, you know, even with COVID and everything else, but once I make a commitment, once we made a commitment to ourselves, um, I, I never thought of backing out or, 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 you know, just stepping away from the whole situation. Um, in fact, she even inspired me more each day I got to know Gail and spend, spend time with her. And, um, the book is actually written in days. Each day has a theme. Each day has a title. And we talk about all the life experiences we've had and um, during the time. And it's it, I, I think people will find it to be a great read. It's a fast read as far as how to treat a significant other, how to be honest with each other, and, and ultimately how to love each other until, you know, time runs out. Yeah. Do you feel that given that you were aware that time was short with her, that you maybe treated her and treated each moment differently than you would have if you had no clue how long the relationship could go? Like if you had met up with somebody who for all appearances was healthy and you thought maybe you could have 20 or 30 years together, do you think you it changed how you valued the time that you spent with her? I believe so. Uh, Kim, that's a very insightful question. Um, I normally journal a lot and I keep notes every day. 
I, I do believe I, I kept more, uh, more detailed notes, closer notes about what was going on with Gail. And of course, you know, with our digital world, I had emails, I had voicemails, I had texts, I had, you know, audio messages and things like that. But I did pay attention to each day more. And as, as I, I shared a couple minutes ago, we decide to live for the today not in the yesterday or t- tomorrow. And and even though Gail didn't feel she was going to die tomorrow, she did openly state that I don't I'm probably not going to live to 80 years old, Larry, but we don't know that. And you know, you you could actually die before <laughs> I will. I mean, she was very upfront. She had a very high EQ and IQ, Gail did. And she'd been married three times prior. She was single 18 years when I met her. She never had any children, not that she had to. And, but she was a worldly woman and she was, uh, she was a Virgo. So she was kind of really tied into the universe, to nature. Uh, she had a mystical way about her. And, um, and all those things, you know, added up to a very, very special, uh, relationship. I mean, it really was. How did your family and friends respond to this? Um, you know, the, the family was happy that I had found somebody. As it took a turn later on, you know, halfway through the relationship out of the 126 days when Gail got sick again, people reached out, you know, to try to help as much as they could. Of course, that was during COVID. The shutdown and COVID hit just as a juncture in the book where Gail actually moves in with me. And, um, and within a few days or within two days, COVID, we had all the shutdowns, like it was about March 16th because of COVID. And then she turned out to get sick again. But, um, a lot of people reached out as they could. I shared as I could, certainly my, my work associates. I didn't reach out to a lot of people, but there was some select people that did reach out to me, which I share in the book in, in special ways, but they were supportive. I wasn't, I didn't ever think Kim that I was doing something heroic. That wasn't, you know, what it was about. It was about uh, staying by Gail's side and, and seeing it through and until she transitioned and doing the best I could do for her each day. And I do share in the book the people who did reach out to me and did help me, especially when Gail entered hospice and through that time period, which was a little more challenging. Yeah. Were you required to be a caregiver for her? I, I was in, in, in a sense, um, when she had to go back into the hospital, she was there for seven days in a traditional hospital when she got the diagnosis that she had between two weeks to four weeks to live, then we had to figure out what was going to work best for the patient's needs, not my needs. What was going to work best for Gail? And I discussed that in the book and the process we went through that what solution and for his hospice. So we were blessed. It took us some time, but we did get Gail into a four bed hospice home in San Diego, which is actually run by the Sharp Hospice Foundation. Mm. And um, and so she was admitted there. 
And she ultimately ended up spending 44 days there at the Parkview Hospice Home. Uh, Sharp has three of them, and we were able to get into one of them. And um, I visited Gail every day there. Of course, it was COVID, so they only permitted immediate family or the immediate caregiver, which I was. Um, Her mother was on in years, um, and then she also had a brother, but I was the primary person. So I visited her every day for 44 days. And so mentally and emotionally, I tried to do what I could for her each day, Kim. And, um, and it is, it is the stories told in the book. Parkview staff, pain control, the physical aspects, or certainly during the evenings when I wasn't there, they were awesome. Okay. It was a, it was an awesome experience at Parkview Hospice Home. And they are certainly angels that work there. So I was a member of a team, but they also did a lot for Gail when she when she was there during her stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hospice is usually pretty amazing what they yeah. do, and they they understand the whole picture, which is really nice. I'm glad you got to see her. I didn't realize it was this fresh that this just happened in your yeah, life. Yeah, it was a 2020 experience. You know, I. I, I set the I set the the goal for the year to find somebody that I, hopefully I could connect with um, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And with Gail, I I did that. Um, little did I know that it was going to be only for four and a half months or so, but um, I did. And um, so I was able I was able to experience that, but also take lessons away that. You know, Kim, frankly, if somebody would tell me January 1st before I met Gail online, you're going to meet somebody. She's going to have stage four cancer. You're going to have a very profound relationship with her. She's going to die. And then you're going to write a book or a story about it. I would have looked at them and said, <laughs> I don't think so. But looking back on it, that's what happened. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that when you meet somebody very inspirational, you you have to trust your gut. You have to really follow your heart. I don't. I think your heart does not have any questions. Mm. I think if you follow your heart, it doesn't have any questions. And I did that, and I'm glad I did. That's really a beautiful story. So when did she die? Gail transitioned May twelfth. May twelfth, um, okay. and she she transitioned. There's a little bit of I don't want to say intrigue, but I, I will say at least if you do read the book, people will ask me. Well, what is this 11 minutes? Well, she she lived 126 days and, and she transitioned 11 minutes into that next day. Okay. So, and that's, it's, it's, it's told and it's, it's in the book. And so that's where the 11 minutes come in. So, you know, she didn't pass away 28 minutes into the next day or two hours. It was 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was the time. And um, so that's, you know, that's uh, when she, when she did pass away. And, um, it, uh, I'll leave the ending the, you know, if you ask me specific questions, I'll certainly answer them as far as, you know, what the ending was and how she actually transitioned. Um, it's a little bit unusual at the end. I think you'll find it's unusual, unusual and how she transitioned ultimately and, um, and how I tell that story in the book. Yeah. Were you able to be with her when she transitioned? I, um, I was with her for 
many, many, many hours towards the very end there. Okay. And at the actual point of when she transitioned, I was not in the room. You know, they say that some people, they wait until the time is right to transition, that they have as much control over that as anything else in their lives and that they wait sometimes because they don't want to be with somebody else or don't want the other person to have to see it. Do you think that she may have done that with you to protect you or spare uh, you? I, I do. I, I share that in the book. And I, I do believe when I, when I was processing everything, I knew Gail. I didn't have a history with Gail. I, I knew Gail for four months. And, you know, I felt, and I shared in the book that I was going to accompany her for as long as she needed me. And perhaps that last segment, that last little bit, I, I took her to where I needed to take her. And then she had to, as you're describing, um, basically experience that and travel that on her own. Mm. Yeah. And, and ultimately that's what happened. There's some circumstances around it, which I share. Okay. In the book. And, and it's, um, um, you know, sometimes you can beat yourself up over that. Like, you know, I, I need to be in the room. I have to be in the room. Sometimes you just have to tap into that. And some of the things that you shared, um, came into play, you know, when, when, when that moment of transition or eminent transition happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are a lot of stories like that about people where someone needs to go out and go to the bathroom or they're, you know, they need to eat. Mm. So they go out to the cafeteria, they come back, the person is left. And sometimes I think that's when a person is able to let go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and uh, I, I think, um, I think in Gail's case, she was, uh, she was a very mystical spirit. She, she felt, um, you know, she was going to be tango dancing in a, in a higher level of consciousness somewhere other than here on earth. And, you know, she looked upon the stages of life. You're, you're born in the womb and then you have an earthly experience and then you have a higher level of consciousness experience somewhere else. Um, she, I, I think she had a belief in higher power, maybe not God in a traditional sense, but she knew that she was going to a higher level and, um, and, and but she didn't, want to die she didn't want to transition she felt she had time she wanted still on earth at some point um i share this in the book kim about finding peace or helping somebody to find peace before transitioning i found out and there's some people that could perhaps disagree or look at it differently i couldn't provide gail peace she had to find that peace before she transitioned I could help her. I could assist her. But at some point, I found that I had to find my own peace with the situation to help Gail find her peace. I couldn't just provide that for Gail. You're at peace now because something I said or did. And I believe ultimately she did find it before she moved on to the next life. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Larry, do you think she helped you to find peace? She did. Um she did during the time period and, you know, especially, well, through the whole four, four months, because she was able to break my heart open to give me the ability to love again and that I'd be able to love again. 
I had been, you know, divorced almost nine years. I had had a couple other relationships, very respectful, positive, but nothing that was lasting. And Gail um, provided me the confidence again that, you know what, you can do this again. And during the time in hospice, she told me, um, Larry, you'll love somebody again. I don't want you moping around. You know, I, I believe you're going to love somebody else again. I want you to be open to that. Um, you're much too young, uh, to, to basically internalize my loss to where it's incapacitating for you for the rest of your life. Please don't do that. And, um, so she provided me that level of confidence and that inspiration to take all the gifts she gave me, which I was able to write in this book and, and to move forward. Yeah. Mm. Gail sounds like a pretty incredible person. You know, she, she was Kim. She, um, she went to USC. She majored in uh, French and Russian studies. She was fluent in French and Russian. Uh, she was a professional photographer for 33 years on movie sets, models, just a, a lot of different life experiences. You know, she had, she had been married three times. She, she, she was well-traveled. She was a very um, colorful woman. She was a worldly woman. And she understood life. And she understood love. In fact, when she did get her diagnosis at the end, at that hospital time when they couldn't do anything more for her, she said, you know, Larry, I was a lover. I was a dancer. I took pictures. And I fiercely, I fiercely defended and, and really cherished the relationships I had with my friends. Yeah. It was, uh, she, she had a very, very pure, view of life. And always she talked about standing in her truth to the end. And, and she did that. And, um, and she left on the terms she felt were right for her. And I was, I was very, I was very thankful, Kim. I was able to help her transition in a place where she still had dignity out of intense pain and where she could find that peace to go on to the next life. And uh, Parkview Hospice Home really helped me, amongst others, help her do that. Yeah. I'll be sure to mention them in the show notes with a link. So if there is a link to find them so that people can find them when, yeah, they, when they follow the podcast here. Um, so what did she, do you know what she believed would be next for her? Interesting question. Um, I believe she's taking pictures i believe she's dancing tango you know it was interesting the you know the the cover of the book is one of gail's professional photographs mm. okay and it's of a tango dancing it's a very pretty cover tango couple. and in argentinian tango the man leads the woman doesn't blindly follow kim okay the woman responds to a lead so if the man's a strong lead, the woman will respond strongly. So Gail didn't have a problem having me, quote, lead. And she responded to my lead. And she that's the way she took the, the um, comparing Argentinian dancing to love, mm. you know, and to a relationship. And she embellished that. So she said that she will be dancing. I share some of it in the book. Um, 
at the next level of consciousness, she will be always dancing the Argentinian tango up there, wherever it is. Yeah. And she will be taking pictures as well. But she felt it was going to be um, where she was free. Okay. Mm-hmm. Battling cancer for four and a half years, surgery, radiation, chemo, all that stuff around it, where just, you know, your life is just totally turned upside down. She felt that she would be free again on that next level. And she was looking forward to that. She really was. That's great. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind my asking, have you had any signs from her since she left? Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I've had any sign other than finding another relationship, which mm. I did find somebody I've connected with. And the, the, the losses I've had in my life, there has actually been numerous, Gail being the most recent, certainly the first as far as a lover and a, and a, a soulmate and a partner, significant other. Um, I, I have a tendency when I look back to people, meaningful people in my life, I don't dream about them. For some reason, I have not had any dreams about Gail, nor have I had any dreams about immediate family members, and I've lost many over the years about them. So I don't know if there's something in my being. Once somebody is released to higher level of consciousness, I let them go. I don't know. But I haven't had any outward signs from Gail that, hey, other than the fact that maybe I connected with somebody else, and maybe in that stage, somebody came into my life, and it was because of the book. Really? This person came into my life in many, in many respects. It was the process by which I was going through this book and producing it uh, that this lady came into my life. And it was, if that was a sign that I was going to love again, perhaps that's the one sign I can, Mm. I, I can share. Yeah, that's great. I like that. So what can you tell us about, there's a couple things. First of all, mm-hmm. let's go with the, maybe the easier one here, writing a book about choosing to write a book. You're 65 years old and you decided to write a book. What can you give, what kind of advice can you give to our listeners about that? Um, definitely, I will say just write, okay, because if there's something you know, emotion could work for you in many instances, um, Kim, and sometimes emotion could work against you. I felt in my case, I had to write the book when I did or would not get written. I think part of that was the grieving process. I felt I didn't want to just leave this hanging, wait a year, and then readdress it. I said, let me share it. There's so much fresh in my mind. Also, I mentioned about COVID, and let me get it down. I also had an accountability partner. I would say this. If anybody is thinking about writing a book, whatever it happens to be, and it doesn't have to be a life and death situation. It could be about a relationship. It could be about anything. Get an accountability partner. Uh, the woman who wrote my forward, uh, Kelly Watson, owns a company called Scripter Publishing, and they work with writers to keep the process going. So every Monday, For six weeks, Kelly said, Larry, give me 20 days of writing because we decided to do the book in days, 126 days. So every Monday I had accountability, Kim, that I had to get Kelly uh, Kelly, every Monday, 20 days 
of writing. And I took that through the six weeks. I will say honestly that if I hadn't had that accountability partner, I don't know if I would have got it done in six weeks. I think it would have took a lot longer. So that kept me going. And so that was important. The other thing is when you're inspired, you will find, especially sometimes with a challenging event, does not have to be necessarily a life and death loss, but it could be some trauma. It could be a challenging thing that happened in your life. You will find that you will be inspired to share and to do something that perhaps you would not have. And I felt that with this experience with Gail, this was part of the reason and how I was going to respond to it. So tap into that if you feel that way. Use that emotion and take action if you really do feel that way. Finally, um, if you have no clue on how to write or how to start the process, maybe get a coach or maybe go to a company, and it doesn't have to be the company you know that I use that my friend owns, but somebody who could help you in the process to kind of get you unstuck. And um, just write. Don't worry about everything being perfect because when you go through the editing process, your spirit of your writing will stay what it is and it'll always sound better after people edit it mm. and help you do, do some of that. Okay. Thank you very much. I know it's, it's really hard for people to get started sometimes and to stick with it. And I like the idea of the accountability coach. I think that's yeah. great. And just even a coach in general to help you if you don't, if you haven't done it before. Um, and then uh, the other question would be then what would your advice be to our listeners in terms of finding love of any kind once you reach retirement age, which, you know, technically you have age 65, whether you choose to retire or not, you have reached that age. And there's some people I know, they just feel like, well, I'm too old. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be worried about that. What do you, what's your feeling? Um, it's, it's never too old to fall in love. Um, love yourself. I learned this from Gail. You cannot love somebody unconditionally until you love yourself unconditionally. And the self-development work I, I did over the years, I did love myself unconditionally. I was able to extend that to Gail. And when she reinforced that, that was, that was powerful. Um, follow your heart. It does not have any questions. It has the answers. And, and many times when you do that, you'll experience a love that you never thought was possible. Uh, Gail and I did. And I feel that for the Larry's and Gail's that are out there and they may be our age and they may be seniors actively aging that they can too. If, if you're willing to risk and follow your heart. Um, and in a conditional world to love somebody unconditionally, Kim is really, really, an elevating thing for your life. And that's something, albeit mine was short, in this case with Gail, but um, the lessons I learned from her and the experience I had is um, it will always be with me the rest of my life. It elevated my life in a, in a very, very positive and profound way. And I'm, uh, I'm glad I did um, take the step with her, and I'm glad she captivated me. And vice versa, it took two. <laughs> and uh, that's some of what I could say about love. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. And I'm glad you knew her and um, 
sorry I never knew her. She sounds like a really special person. Um, I read some of the comments of, about your book, and it seems like there's one thing that keeps being repeated over and over again is uh, people can't put it down. They read it from cover to cover. Like it's so, the book is so captivating. The story is so captivating that people just can't stop reading it. They just want to know what happens next. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote it, you know, by day and I, I shared, I had a lot of notes, I had a lot of good resources and, you know, Gail wanted, Gail had published three books as a photographer. They were photography, coffee table books of pictures of her images. And she said at day 51 that I share on day 51 of my book, she says, Larry, I'd like to write a fourth book, uh, My Enlightened Journey, Dancing, Loving, and Living with Stage 4 Breast Cancer. She never got a chance to write, write that book, um, Kim. Now, this is not an autobiography, nor is it Gail's version of what she would write. But what it is, I did contribute. People will get to know Gail by reading this book. Okay. Mm -hmm. They'll get to know her. And I wanted to honor her life because her life made a difference. And there's many Gails out there could be cancer or other diseases. And sometimes they get diagnosed and they just become a number. They're not numbers. They're human beings that make a difference. And she made a huge difference in my life to, to the extent that I wanted to share that, that ultimately her legacy is not just in 126 days and 11 minutes, but it's the life and how she chose to make powerful choices that inspired a person, in this case me, to share some of her life and what she was about. And that's that's pretty powerful. And I think once you start reading it, you'll find it's a book about life. Yeah, love certainly, but it's a book about life, uh, Kim, more than anything else. And especially when you get down to the actively aging years, how you have more of a wisdom and maturity to maybe understand it more rather than maybe when I was in my 30s or 40s. Would I have not gotten into a relationship with Gail if I was younger? I can't fully answer that, but probably not. Where I was, I think I understood it in a bigger context. Also, I was stage one cancer survivor. I had some empathy as to when you get that diagnosis, what it feels like. I certainly went through nothing close to what Gail had to go through, but I had a little bit of empathy there. And I think that also helped it. But yeah, it's most people say they could read the book in two sittings in about six hours. Yeah, I just yeah. I got the impression it wasn't even that they could. It's that they could not put the book down. That seemed to be a common theme yeah. in your reviews. So that's really high praise. Yeah, I, um, I, I feel, um, you know, I feel rewarded from the, the point of view and I'm not you know, a trained journalist or, you know, certainly it's a nonfiction true story. But life sometimes imitates art, right? Art imitates life, life imitates art. There's some interesting foreshadowing in the book. And it's all true that it could appear to be a novel in certain cases, but that's life. That's yeah. real life. And sometimes that's what happens, you know, and, and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to add things to a true story 
that that are actually that actually transpired. But um, it's uncanny that some of it's in there. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. So thank you. I want to thank you for your time for coming on here and sharing your deeply personal story with us. And I think it was very inspiring. And I think it's also inspiring just from Gail's point of view, too, is that you just you keep living until you're not anymore. You don't you don't give up on living, keep trying to stay engaged. And, and that's what she did. It was really very admirable. And, and you're standing by her and being willing to take a chance is very admirable too. And um, I just, I really admire what you, what you have gone through and what you have done in terms of trying to share it with other people to inspire them. I think anybody who listens to this or reads your book is going to be inspired by what more they can get out of their life. It's a beautiful story. Kim, I, I appreciate the kind words, and um, I I really think hope keep hope alive. You know, when you're going through some challenging times, and and when you make powerful choices, sometimes people come into your life to help you out just when you need them most. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you all the best, and especially with your new relationship. And uh, I hope I hope your journey just keeps getting better and better. Thank you, Kim. I really enjoyed being uh, on your on your podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now. Because of you.